Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The calendar turns to April as we get set for racing on this beautiful opening weekend in April in Washington, D.C. Perfect timing for the 2023 Cherry Blossom 10 Mile, which will host this year the USATF 10 Mile Championships on a rather blustery morning here in Washington, D.C. I think it was one of the first days that I felt like I belonged in that field. It's still weird because when you see people like Sarah Hall and Nell Rojas on either side of you, it's a little bit weird to think. And I I thought that in the race, like, wow, this is, you know, you belong here. You're one of the fastest 10 milers. I mean, last year at Broad Street, I had one of the fastest 10 mile times in the U.S. for the year. So I, I have tried to tell myself at this point, like I am an elite runner and I can compete with these women and I'm trying to put myself in the field and give myself the opportunity to do that. It is still, I think you kind of always have that underdog mentality where you think you don't necessarily belong here because this isn't your job. Like you're not competing with these people regularly. And so it, it is weird coming from my background to now be racing alongside those women because I've just like, I never thought that I would be here. Women's running, running, running. I am Amber Zimmerman, and currently I'm residing in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm a neurogeneticist by day, and I run mostly by morning, so that's more of a hobby of mine, but over the last couple years, I've gotten a lot better at it. Yes, Amber has been getting faster and racing better. And her performance at the Cherry Blossom 10-Miler, which just took place Sunday, April 2nd, and served as the national championship event for that distance, is a testament to that. And we're going to get to all the racing action in just a minute. But first, welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And before we hear from Amber to learn about what went down at the 10-Miler... I wanted to let you know that on April 16th at 1 p.m. at the Boston Marathon Expo in the Heinz Convention Center, I will be on the live stage co-hosting a panel with my friends and the hosts of the Run Farther and Faster podcast, Julie and Lisa. We will be talking to three pioneers in marathoning, and they have also all podiumed at Boston. It's Marilyn Bevins, Patty Dillon, and Jacqueline Hansen, and we will be joining them in conversation to hear about what it was like to be some of the first women running the fastest times in the world in the marathon and setting the standards for all of us women who came after. And also, what was it like to be one of the early elite women athletes at the Boston Marathon 
racing for a podium position. It's going to be a great day of live events on Sunday, so I welcome you to come and experience all of the events that are happening. But of course, I especially want you to be there at one o'clock to experience our panel. It's in the expo. It's free and open to the public. So whether you're a spectator or a runner or a fan, or you just want to come hear these amazing women speak, please come join us. Now, back to Amber and the Cherry Blossom 10 Miler. Amber has been in this sport for a long, long time, but she herself has said on many occasions that she feels like, up through her college career, she was performing at a subpar level. She moved into triathlon for a little while and was sort of having the same feelings about those results, even though she was entering into the pro ranks. In 2021, she had a tough year, and then she decided to change things up. She recommitted to running, reassessed her work-life balance, how she was training, her mental and emotional approach to the sport, and that has really shifted things. She also became a member of the Tracksmith Amateur Support Program, and she is in the second year racing for them. Also, I want to add, if you want to learn more about Amber's running history, Allison Wade of Fast Women wrote a really nice story about her, and I will link to that in the show notes. I also want to thank Allison because she was the one who helped me get in touch with Amber so that I could interview Amber the day after the cherry blossom. So thank you, Allison. And so, yes, Amber revamped everything a couple of years ago, and her racing has really started to show the results of that. She's now in a position to feel like she belongs in a field featuring veteran professionals like Nell Rojas and Sarah Hall and some of the other great runners who she towed the line with at the Cherry Blossom. But getting to this point, it's been a process, and a significant boost in this process came toward the end of last year with a big victory on a cold, windy day in Philadelphia. So Philly Marathon back in November, that was a big win for me. I don't win a lot of races typically. They're pretty competitive up here, so it's always a, a pretty big field that you're competing against. And so that really excited me, but I don't like to get ahead of myself. And so I didn't really plan anything for right after the race because I wasn't sure how my body was going to respond. Usually, because I'm a pretty high mileage person at this point, I respond fairly well and recover pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I didn't. I don't like to back races up too much with my schedule of work and everything. I had hoped that I would run Houston Half Marathon, and then I did end up doing that um, in January, and that went really well, better than I anticipated. And I did not know that I was going to run Cherry Blossom until a few weeks ago. Was when I found out. So I had it on my radar, hoping that I was going to get in. And I had heard a little bit of communication with the race director. I know they were a little bit swamped this year. I think it's been that way for a lot of races this year, because it's a very competitive year and everyone's trying to get into every race that's got a good field. So yeah, I, my main race for the next month was going to be Broad Street and still is going to be Broad Street 10 milers. So I wanted to, if I got into this cherry blossom. I wanted to use it as kind of a a race to see where my fitness was and a confidence booster because the last race I did was, um, other than a a local 5k, was a Houston half in January. At the Houston half marathon, Amber did have a strong finish. She came in 11th place in a really competitive field, and she PR'd by over a minute and a half. 
It's also worth noting that, like Amber mentioned, the fields are particularly tough this year because we're leading into an Olympic year, which means that Olympic trials are coming up and everybody wants to be ready to race their fastest. They also want to meet the time standards that you have to run in order to participate in events like the Olympic Marathon Trials, which are coming up in February of 2024. So it is game on right now. Also, while the Cherry Blossom was a U.S. national championship event, there were some strong international runners in the field. Kenyan and former Boston Marathon winner Carolyn Rotich was there, and Olympian Sarah Chalangat from Uganda among a few others. And this sets up an interesting racing dynamic because the American women are, of course, focused on racing all of the competitors, but they're particularly interested in racing each other because whichever American crosses the line first is the national champion. So it creates this race within a race situation. And mixing it up amongst the Americans were the likes of, yes, Hall and Rojas, as well as Molly Grable, who came in seventh at last year's national championship 10-miler. There was also Emma Grace Hurley, who we featured recently talking about her great second-place performance at the 15-kilometer national championship, and many other racers. So, yes, this was a stacked field that came to the line for this event. Well, these final moments of reflection, you can see some shivering amongst the uh, elite women here as they get ready to uh, get that blood flowing. But now they tow the line and get set to race here at the Cherry Blossom 10 Mile, also this year's USATF 10 Mile U.S. Championship. I felt really good that morning. I didn't feel nervous, which was nice. Like I said, this, this race was kind of like a last minute sort of thing. So it wasn't something that I put a lot of thought into, which I think is better because then I wasn't putting all my heart into it. I just wanted to, to have a good day for what I could do on the day. And so, yeah, I woke up. I felt really pretty good. This is the first race I've gone into where my body felt pretty good all around. My hamstrings have been struggling for a long time. And this was the first race where they didn't feel like they were going to tear as soon as I started. So that was a good confidence booster. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it was very windy at the start. And it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. So I mean, Philly, (laughs) the Philly marathon was terrible. So I was kind of prepared for those conditions. And I thought this is this is a race that's going to play in my favor because of the conditions. And I'm pretty good in like a harsh cold wind. So I thought that just overall, the day was going to kind of play into my hand. So I think I had a good attitude going into the race. And yeah, I just was like, I'm going to, you know, the whole time warming up, I thought I'm going to put myself in it from the gun and what happens happens. And I knew a couple people in the field that I thought that I could run with. And I just told myself I was going to place myself in the right position at the start. And anytime somebody made a move, I was going to try to respond. And I felt like I did that really well. Yeah. I mean, from the gun, I knew. Uh, Susanna Sullivan, she had, she had won before and I figured she was going to take it out and that's what she did. So I went with her and we actually went out slower than I thought. And I, I didn't want to take the win. So I kind of tucked myself back into the, to the field and let some other people, if they wanted to go to, to take the wind, cause I try not to overwhelm myself at the beginning and try to make smart moves. So 
you know, tucked back into the pack and like, it was a really big pack. I mean, I think we had 15 or more women for the first five miles, just jostling back and forth. And it's very hard when it is packed like that to watch your footing and everybody's going in different directions and stuff like that. And there was, there was a lot of that up front. And so I hadn't really thought about that. I haven't been in a race where there were that many women up front in a very long time or ever. I don't even think so. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a shock to just be in the field like that. But it was a little slow. And I think that's why we had such a big pack. There was, we were going through stretches where there was a lot of headwind, a lot of crosswind across the bridges and stuff like that. And so the leaders were kind of jostling around and I was just trying to stay out of people's way and try to not get tripped up because um, there were a couple of times where people were getting tripped and some close calls on those hairpin turns, especially. So yeah, I mean, mostly I was just thinking like, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of these people. Cause you know, you don't want to like trip somebody up and they're just like, who is this girl? I don't even know who she is. And she tripped me in the race. Honey. So and it was very, there was a lot of pushing in the race because it was very tight pack up front. And so I think I was kind of watching myself from that standpoint, like, don't mess up in front of these people because these are big names and you want to go on record as being the person who trips Sarah Hall or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for the first few miles, I was just trying to stay in good position and Sarah and Nell were on either side of me and I thought they were smart racers. So I'm just going to kind of keep my eye on them and and watch as the race unfolds as to what they're doing. And I wanted to put myself in a good kind of outside position to where if somebody decided to go, then I could go with them. Because that was really my goal was to just like make moves and not let people get away from me. So yeah, I still still think of myself as like, what am I doing <laughs> in this field? But yesterday was one of the first times that I really felt like I'm going to put myself up there. And I told myself before the race, like, I'm going to go with Sarah and I'm going to go with Nell. I'm going to put myself in the field and see what happens. I felt like their times in previous 10 miles weren't substantially faster than my fast than my best 10 mile time. So I knew I could compete at least. And I, so that's just what I went in with that mentality. And yeah, I think at five miles we came around and it goes up a little slight incline and the, the top woman took off and another woman took off with her and they quickly changed the pace of the field. And I think that was good because I wanted to see how sturdy the field was. Cause I was like, man, we still have a lot of people hanging on here. This is going to be a fight till the end. Um, but it did break things up pretty quickly. So that was good. It's good to, to see kind of how close people are hanging on. <laughs> so I thought about throwing in a surge when we hit the tailwind to see how sturdy our pack was and to see if people would fall off. And a couple of people did kind of surge a bit. And so it did break up the pack and a bunch of people fell off the back, which I was just like, okay, tuck in now and, and, you know, try to get behind somebody. And so, yeah, I think the, we had a like two and a half mile stretch or so with a tailwind. And I knew the last two and a half miles was going to be directly into a headwind. So I was just bracing for that. Um, yeah, we, you know, coming down with about three and a half to go, our pack whittled down pretty quickly to like six or seven women. And then when we made the turn with two and a half to go, it whittled down to, you know, the one woman was off the front. And then it was Emma Grace Hurley. She was really running strong and pushing the, from the front and um, Sarah Nell and I think Molly. 
and then me. And I was just trying for dear life to hold on <laughs> for the last two miles. And they started to gap me. And I was like, no, 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 hold on, because it's going to be better to have somebody to hold on to in the wind than to be running by myself for two and a half miles into like a 20 mile an hour headwind. So I kept surging and kept catching back up. I think I tripped Molly a little bit and I felt really bad for that. Um, but then yeah, I hung on as long as I could. And then with about a mile and a half to go, they broke me. And I just tried to put my head down and hope that nobody was behind me. And so yeah, I think it opened up quite a bit at that point to where there was there were big gaps between all the groups. And so I was kind of just in no man's land for the last mile and a half. But I thought, you know, it's just like Philly Marathon, just keep pushing because you don't know if somebody's going to close on you. And I was trying to be top five American, so that's what I held on to. And, yeah, it was – I felt really pretty good at the end, and I thought maybe I should have gone a little bit harder and tried to hold on. But I think either way, my strength right now in the end of the race probably would have put me in the same place. So I don't know. I probably would have been a little bit faster, but I don't think I would have changed place too much. Because those girls did have a really strong last like half mile kick. So yeah, I mean, that's stuff that it's exciting to know that I could hang on for that long. And I think it gives me a little bit of excitement to know what I can work on for Broad Street and for the future races. So I was I was happy. I was, you know, I was hoping for a faster time. But I think considering the conditions and everything, um, that puts me in a good position for running pretty fast at Broad Street. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Amber had a terrific finish. She gritted it out to hold on to that position of fifth American across the line. The race was won by Sarah Chalangat. She was the one who made that strong surge at about the midway point. She was originally joined by Ethiopian Wainshet Weldetsedik, but Wainshet did come back to the field, which left Chilangat out there all by herself through the final miles of the race, including that brutal headwind stretch all the way to the finish. Coming in after Chilangat was the first American, and that was Sarah Hall. She outkicked Nell Rojas and Emma Grace Hurley followed by Molly Grable, and then rounding out that top five was Amber. And of course, Amber getting into the mix in this race, like I mentioned up top, it isn't a fluke. It's the result of her refocusing, recommitting, and making some big changes over the last few years. I've really tried to change my mentality a lot, and I think the first time I did it was in Houston in the half, and it was to just respond and to give yourself a chance, because a lot of times... I think as soon as things start to get hard, it's very easy to say, oh, well, 
this is my place now. You know, you start counting. and That's a dangerous game because you're like, well, I'm in fifth. Okay, I'm in sixth. All right, I'm in seventh. And you just start letting people go past you. But yeah, in Houston, I thought, well, what if I go with these people now? Like, how will my body respond? And that's what I've been working on in training because I do my workouts alone. And so you have to really kind of play games in your head to say, I'm going to go and I'm going to keep pushing. And I think that helps me a lot in racing now. That's what's going through my head is just like, what if I push, you know, will I, will the wheels fall off? And they haven't. So, you know, they haven't completely fallen off. I did fade, but, um, you know, I didn't like totally bite the dust and and have to drop or anything like that. And so I think I'm trying to trust my body a lot more and I'm trying to trust that there's still something in the tank. And that's kind of exciting because I think it means that there's a lot more to pull from in races that I haven't really quite figured out yet. And so I think that makes racing super fun because you're, you're really racing and you're paying attention to the people in front of you. And you're not just in your own head thinking I'm tired and this hurts. And, you know, maybe I'll ease up to get through the pain. You're thinking, nope, like catch the next person, tuck in, try to, you know, really connect yourself with a group. And it was fun. I was having a great time. I mean, the last two and a half miles were very hard. And but I, I was having such a fun time because I was just like, okay, go like, just keep going. And every time I closed back the gap on Molly and the rest of the group that was up there, I was like, very proud of myself. And then until I finally ran out of steam. But um, yeah, I mean, for holding on as long as I could to such a strong women's pack, I was I was definitely happy with my attempt. <laughs> I think the fact that I've been able to rebound from a very subpar collegiate career and being extremely burnt out um, is a testament to the fact that I have completely revamped my training and I've changed my perspective on a lot of things. I coach myself and so I have complete control over my training. And I find that just so exciting because it means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't like to repeat workouts. So like, you know, for my build up to Philly marathon, my focus was really on, I've always done, well, not always, but I've in the past couple of years done the 80, 20. So I still keep all of my base mileage very easy. It's probably gotten slower and slower (laughs) as time has gone on. I did think yesterday, I was like, I bet none of these women run their slow runs at 840 pace. (laughs) It's not for everybody, but I love going for runs you know, when they're slow, I think some people think that they won't enjoy that. But it's just very freeing to not care about the pace on your watch and to not have this like set time that you have to run every day um, as a pace. And so um, but then yeah, the the 20% is really amping up into getting faster and faster stuff and doing stuff uh, kind of at lactate threshold more and at faster than that. I've been playing around with trying to get really good at buffering lactate. So (laughs) trying to be the best that I possibly can at that, because I think that helps me a lot in the later stages of races and to be able to respond. And that's why I like doing that training for 10 miles and the half marathon, because there's a lot of pace change in the middle of the race. And there definitely was yesterday, a lot of pace change. So I've been trying to focus my training more on stuff that allows me to race better rather than to just run a steady pace. So that's kind of where I'm going with my training now is to mix it up. I do a lot of fartleks. I do a lot of, I don't do track workouts really, um, but I do a lot of fartlek on off stuff and just things to try to push my threshold and, and see if I can work that pace down. Cause it's running a lot at like 540 pace for the marathon. And now I'm trying to get down to like 510 pace for being 
sustained efforts. There are so many women now that are in their upper 30s and even 40s. I mean, running ridiculously fast times. And so I'm like, I got plenty of time. You know, 30s, the new 20. So (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, I feel I feel very fresh right now. I did not feel fresh when I when I came out of college. I thought my running career was kind of tanking. (laughs) And now that I've found new ways of training and I enjoy training a lot more. I feel like I have a lot more time in the sport barring any, you know, unforeseen tragedy, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the next decade of my running career and seeing where that takes me, seeing if I can come close to an Olympic team or anything. I mean, you know, it's always, it's everybody's dream as the kid to make an Olympic team. And, and I really like gave up on that in college because I was not good And now I'm like, well, maybe it's not over, you know, I'm 30. And a lot of these women are 30, 34, 38, whatever, running amazing times. So why could I not? And I just love putting myself in there. I love seeing what I can do. It's very exciting. After the fact that people send me pictures of me running alongside Sarah and Nell and stuff. And it's kind of like a kid, you know, like dreaming big or whatever you see yourself with these people that you never would have imagined racing with and you see that you're you know actually competing against them and it's just so exciting so I would recommend to anybody if you think you don't belong in something give it a try and I'm hoping that it pays off for me in the future I got to get over the underdog mentality a little bit myself but hopefully by the time I get to the trials I'll be confident enough to put myself in that race as well. Yes, Amber is heading to the Olympic Trials Marathon next year in February. And that does bring us to the end of this race report. I want to thank Amber so much for coming on the podcast and sharing her story, which she did the day after this race happened. Thank you so much, Amber. You can keep up with Amber on social media. On Instagram, she is a.to underscore the dot z you can also find her on twitter she's at a to the z phd and of course i'm going to link to both of those in the show notes so you do not need to memorize them you can find out how everything goes down at broad street which is coming up on april 30th in amber's current hometown of philadelphia good luck amber and i look forward to seeing what comes next In the show notes, you'll also find ways that you can stay in touch with us. I always love to hear from you, so please give us a shout. And that's going to do it for me. One last reminder is to please come see me and enjoy our panel conversation live at the Boston Marathon Expo on Sunday, April 16th at 1 p.m. Come early and stay late for all the other live panels that are happening. The lineup is terrific. And for now, Thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate you listening. If you're running the Boston Marathon, good luck. If you're coming out and cheering, thank you. I am so looking forward to running on April 17th. And until next time, I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Running Running stories. stories. There is no hood like parenthood. 
When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.